Good afternoon. You are listening to the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour talk radio show that is being brought to you by the Rockdale County Stepping Up Initiative. You can continue listening to us on the CAT 10 ENT network by downloading the His Hop Radio app. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and once again, welcome to Grit and Grace, the Recovery Hour. It's Bill and Tanisha, and we have a real treat for y'all today. And we always say that, but it gets better and better and better. But before we get off to the cosmos, I would be remiss if I first didn't shout out to our sponsors. A shout out to the Stepping Up Initiative, which is a national initiative that has been adopted here in Rockdale County that is designed to reduce the number of people in jails that have mental health and substance use challenges and that look like us on the inside and the outside. Let's shout out to Commissioner Doreen Williams, who was the tip of the spear, who her undying efforts to, and valiant efforts to be an ally for people that have these disorders is the very foundation that built this opportunity for us to not just, not just be employed, but for us to fight the good fight of faith and for us to stand in the gap, identify some of the missing components and enhance some of the existing systems. Also, I'd like to shout out to Hurricane Maine and Cat 10 Entertainment, which is the platform that we bring this information to you every week. Um, Just, we couldn't do it without them. Shout out to His Hop Nation, who is the national partner that this platform is on. We are just so incredibly grateful to have an opportunity to um, speak victory into people's lives and bring them quantitative as well as qualitative information and data and resources and information and hopefully revelation as well. Tanisha, you want to say hello to all the people out there in Radio Land? Absolutely. Hello. Once again, another week, y'all. We're back here on uh, His Hop network on cat 10 ent and the grit and grace recovery hour and we are excited to bring another message of recovery to y'all yeah so today like i said ladies and gentlemen out there we got a real treat for you today we have miss kenya phillips and i've known kenya for quite some time and her glossary of accomplishments and credentials i mean it would take up the whole hour just telling y'all that So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Kenya to um, introduce herself and to just tell us just briefly why she's here with us today. Yes. Thank you for allowing me to be with you all today. It's just a joy and honor to be here. Um, One of the reasons why I'm here is because I'm a peer. I'm a person with lived experience. I'm a person who embraces, lives, eats, and breathes recovery. That is why I'm here. (laughs) Yes. And so, you know, and that's one of the incredible things about these platforms and one of the incredible things about Written Grace, which is a recovery community organization and is peer driven and peer led, peer designed. And it's just about giving people an opportunity to hear the voices of people in recovery and just us speaking in a very frank and distinct way 
about some of our journeys outside, inside, through, with, without, and about these systems. And, and you know, because at the end of the day, developing systems is a great thing. But if we lose consciousness of the fact that people, people are the reason we're here, lives are the reason we're here. So for us, it's just this incredible opportunity to use our lives as an example and as a representation of what's possible and, and just kind of to give insight on how some of those things take place. So um, Kenya, I want to ask you a question. This has been a very, very, very long road. People hear us say that we are persons in long-term recovery. Can you tell us what was it like for you before you came into recovery? Or as Nami would say, the dark days. What was that like for you? And just give the people some insight and some background. Sure. Um, for me, I've been experiencing a mental health diagnosis, specifically bipolar 1, since 1996. And from, from 1996 to almost 2009, I really felt alone, isolated, shameful, um, the whole stigma piece. The why to that is because I come from seven generations of ministers. So it wasn't during that time frame, it wasn't popular to talk about mental health within a church structure. It wasn't so much that it was said, it was just a nonverbal. It wasn't mentioned from the pulpit necessarily. So it wasn't an invite to discuss beyond just praying over a situation and being on your knees. So the process wasn't in place other than behind closed doors. Now, as it relates to that time period also, I remember being in the hospital several times, almost every three years I was having a breakdown. I felt alone because I didn't have or an organization that I was aware of. I wasn't alert to that connected me with other people who were like-minded, who experienced a mental health diagnosis and who looked like me beyond what the TV or multimedia waves dictated or projected to be the image of mental health. Yes, so yeah, absolutely. And, and so, <laughs> so when I met Kenya, her and I were both uh, part of an organization, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Shout out to NAMI. Um, NAMI is the largest grassroots organization for education, advocacy, support, and research in the United States. And NAMI has done monumental things as far as creating supports, as far as disseminating information, as far as advocating on local national levels for just moving this system and the delivery of in connection to those services. And I know that they have monumentally impacted my life. You know, everybody likes to talk about what's wrong with you, but man, what about what's right? right? So when I met Kenya, we were both part of NAMI. I was functioning in the capacity of peer mentor and in your own voice presenter and connections facilitator. And then I evolved into member of the board, both in NAMI Savannah and then evolved into a member of the board in NAMI Georgia and ultimately ended up in uh, instrumental in the development of the NAMI Recovery Council in writing a new formula itself. Kenya, what was your role with NAMI and how did you find NAMI? Wow, um, that's a loaded question for me, but I'm gonna make it as simple as possible. For me, um, going back to that 2009 time period, 
I remember it like it was yesterday without over-spiritualizing a matter, but I believe in God and I'm Christian, so I got to speak for my truth. Um, I was had this unction to get home and I couldn't figure out why. When I got home, it was a, docu- a faith-based documentary on television that really impressed me. And it opened my mindset up to it's okay to talk about things within a spiritual lens. Anyways, when I got to the end of the documentary, I discovered in the credits, NAMI. So not only did I Google it, because I was just like, wow. But at the same time I Googled and got the phone number, I was connected with the vice president of what was considered an affiliate then in Clayton County, Georgia. And from there, I've been connected with NAMI ever since. Some of the roles that I've had were similar to you is um, I was a recovery dialogue presenter, um, a support group presenter, a peer mentor, also state trainer for all peer programs, um, as well as I worked at the state office for NAMI Georgia as a peer program coordinator. And at current, I work in the national office for NAMI National as the uh, support group manager for both um, connection support group and family support groups. <laughs> man, you know, just God is good, man. I, I mean, you know, I uh, I still remember when you came and trained us, I believe it was the in your own voice training. Yeah. <laughs> I still remember that. You know, those are incredibly memorable events for me. I'll never forget when we came to the peer-to-peer training. And, um, you know, I was so green that a cow wouldn't eat me when we were going through those trainings, those initial trainings. And it was monumental for me. I had a breakthrough in the peer-to-peer class. I was exposed to NAMI by one of my substance abuse counselors. And and where I come from, there is no word, there's no word mental health. There's there's just no word. And and there is no word for recovery. You know, I just wasn't. Where I come from is crazy. You know, either you're crazy like you get a check or you're crazy like you do crazy things. And that was it. And, And as far as the solution, if there was, you know, our perception of the solution was medication, and that medication was Thorazine, you know, and, and that's what people's understanding of it was. If you got mental health challenges, they're going to give you Thorazine, and you're going to be doing the Thorazine shuffle, and that's it. And, and or else, mental of the crazy meant that you're walking with a buggy and you got all your clothes on in the summertime and people are saying, wow, look at dude, you know? And and that was our perception. There was no mental health. There was no word called wellness associated with it. It was stigmatized beyond belief. So if people asked you or asked me, did you have, do you have any mental health challenges? Automatically said no, Uh, automatically. You know, because where I come from, the truth is well punished. So, um, and culturally, I was so detached because I was not only detached from culture, but I was part of the subculture. So really, it, I was criminalized. You know, I think of how many times I was in psychosis, yes. but committing criminal acts, and there was no addressing the mental health. It was addressing the, the crimogenics and, and addressing them in a very uh, aggressive manner. And uh, I didn't know what to do because I didn't know what was going on. So when I came to, uh, I had a counselor shout out to Andrea Williams from the recovery place. And she told me, you need to go to NAMI. And I'm like, I don't even know what NAMI is. But uh, 
I was desperate when I came into treatment, mental health treatment, substance use treatment, and a lot of the components thereof. I went to all of them. I remember when I was in my NAMI meeting and they were talking about the science. And when they were talking about the science and we were talking about dopamine and we were talking about synapses and all that kind of stuff. And, and for me, you know, even though I came up in a very ethnic driven society, a very criminal driven society where there wasn't a lot of intellectual communication taking place. We spoke in a more base term communication. And so when, when I heard them say that there was a chemical process, there was a disease process. I got a breakthrough and I got a breakthrough because I thought I did the things I did because I was a bad person. And when I found out that there was a chemical process and there was a disease process, it gave me hope. And, and I've been to probably more um, <laughs> crisis stabilization units and Georgia regionals and, you know, just oh, yeah. more of those than people can ever count or imagine. And at no point during any of those interactions did I know that there was anything that could advocate for the, the mental part of me. The only advocate I ever thought about or was ever even remotely connected with was a legal advocate. And that was an attorney. And, and that attorney, but due to the fact I didn't have money, was a public defender. And you, we just understand some of the challenges in our systems for people who don't have money and, and what that means. And um, just as a result of getting that information that I wasn't a monster, that really I was a person that had a disorder, that had a, a, a disease process, that had a chemical imbalance. For me, that gave me hope. And for me, because I had some real self-esteem things going on, I had some real trauma things going on, I had some real um, you know, from abandonment, living in the orphanage, being raised by wolves, People cannot realize the degree of trauma that happens to an individual that has now internalized all of that and is just trying to survive with no education or no understanding on how to do it. We would like to thank our leader, Commissioner Dr. Doreen Williams, the Rockdale County Sheriff's Office, along with other numerous partners and stakeholders that are taking the initiative to create change for the Rockdale County recovery community. We know that it takes all parts of a community to carry out this vision and together we are stronger. For all the people out there in Radioland that can hear the sound of our voice, what we're talking about are processes that start to educate people as well as the people around them about what's really going on. You know, this isn't, we, when we say educate people, I think one of the most dangerous positions to be in as a human being, if you lose your ability to learn, if you believe that you got all the sense and you know everything, nobody can tell you anything and you can't get new information inside your head. 
Now, if you're in the Mensa club and you got everything right, that may work well. But if you're wrong and you think you're right and you think you know everything and you can't learn, that makes you very dangerous, not only to others, but to people that you love. And it doesn't make you a bad person, but it does make you a dangerous person. So I want to thank you so much for being transparent about those things, Kenya. I want to ask you another question. So when you finally started to get your breakthrough or reach that level of awareness, what were, how did acceptance happen for you? How did that happen? Honestly, with acceptance, I I will have to go back to when I connected with Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network. It's this, um, and I used to work with them, but before I worked with them, I was a peer first um, and I'm still a peer now. And I I never will forget that. It was a three-part saying, and you've probably heard it before too, because it echoes um, across recovery world, recovery land. And it goes, I'm the evidence, I'm the expert, I'm the experience. And when I heard that at first, I was like, huh? But then when I dove into that, you know, it was one of those aha moments um, where I began to recognize as I looked in the mirror at myself and through myself that not only is recovery within me, not only is acceptance within me, but being able to tap in, because even when I go to see the psychiatrist, whether I'm seeing a therapist, whether I'm talking here like I am now, if I don't recognize my own truth for myself, how can I communicate to anybody else? And that, that was my aha moment. Acceptance for me meant being real with myself that, yeah, it's going to be days that I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, but I have a daughter to raise who's eight years old and she's getting ready to turn nine. I have a home that we desire to get back into. I have a life beyond just work. Um, I want to be able to play play more, you know, go on vacations and things like that, but I can't do that if I'm not well. So acceptance for me means being in a placement where I'm in, I'm in tune, not only just in tune with my recovery, but also being accountable to my recovery. And for me, that looks like taking medications. For me, that looks like making sure my spiritual spirituality stays intact, whether it means reading the Bible, going to church or in some platform or something of that effect since some churches are open, some aren't, but just making sure I remember churches within the heart and the spirit. Recovery for me means not getting so egotistical that I forget that I have peer support and peer supporters beyond a payment, beyond work, beyond my role as a leader, but tapping into where I started, never forgetting where I started. And that was at the base, just volunteering. So I stay connected with support group and I stay connected with people like yourself because it keeps me humble. It keeps me looking up and it keeps me accountable to my truth. Because if I forget my story, I have nothing to focus on. Right, right. And so one of the things that, um, and you're absolutely right. I want to thank you so much for saying that. I want to ask you another question, Kenya. So what were some of the treatment modalities or processes that connected you with long-term recovery and that you both found still use or uh, just kind of would like people to know about, what were some of those things for you that connected you with the process that you live by today? One of the key things that connected me, honestly, is as is, is, is basic as it may sound, is having that friend that I can call at two and three o'clock in the morning. Everybody, not gonna, everybody who say that they're not there. Um, being able to tap into my peers um, and know that they authentically, it's a mutual, it's a mutuality there. Um, also being able to connect with my therapist um, by phone every week. And if I need to talk to her beyond once a week, I can. 
making sure I keep my psychiatrist appointments. But even deeper than the medical model, um, on a personal recovery model standpoint, taking time out to breathe. It can't, for me, all work and no plate is not, is not healthy. So taking time out to breathe. Um, NAMI National did something so beyond the call of duty last week. They gave the entire organization a week off, a self-care week. And to me, that spoke values because I'm like, it's one thing to say we're a mental health agency. It's another thing to action what you're talking about. That's right. So I took, every time I was in there trying to do something, it's like it got blocked. I was like, wow. I said, okay, guy, you're telling me to be still. I was like, yeah, that's what self-care is. So I, yes. and I'm learning the importance, even in, as I speak, the importance of taking time for mindfulness, going to the park. For me, I love going to Pima and just feeding the ducks just because. I'm like, it takes my mind off from me and it focuses other center. Taking time out to just be still. Sometimes it's okay just to pause and do nothing. So, you know, those types of things and actually being in the moment, I'm learning that more and more being in the moment is important just as well, because if your schedule's so busy, let me rephrase that because I'm a big personal I statements. If my schedule is so busy that I don't have any flexibility in it, I'm not doing myself any earthly good. That's right. That's right. You're absolutely right. You know, Tanisha and I being persons in recovery and just being able to create processes for our process, you know, and, and. You know, Tanisha teases me a lot, a lot. Let me say that on national, <laughs> on the national platform, Tanisha teases me a lot. But one of the things that she gives me a hard time about is that I'm always asking her, how are you? You know, how are you? And, and, and you know, I ask that not to be intrusive, but I ask that because for the majority of my life, Nobody asked me how I was. People said, what you doing? What's wrong with you? I can't believe you did that. Why did you do that? What, man, I can't believe you did that. But nobody consistently asked me how I was to the degree that I felt that I could be honest. And you said, like, when you spoke to it, you know, and it says in the program, rarely have any of us failed to thoroughly follow the path, except those who cannot or will not give themselves to this simple program with rigorous honesty. And, and it, you know, if I can't be honest, and, and I think about it, some people tell me, I remember people used to tell me, just tell me the truth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when you did, oh boy, you know what I'm saying? You know, so um, it is just so refreshing to know and to be around people who are like-minded. And Tanisha also asked me, and so how are you doing? <laughs> and I would say I'm living the dream, you know, but uh, it, it is an incredible opportunity to be transparent. And you, you did mention an agency, the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network, which is one of the premier organizations in America for the facilitation of and creation of peer workforce for training and education for persons in recovery, persons seeking recovery, persons finding recovery, and persons employed in recovery. So shout out to the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network, so which are the, the holders of some of our certifications. I'm a certified peer specialist for mental health. Uh, shout out to the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network. I'm also a forensic peer mentor. Shout out to the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network. And I am also, uh, a whole health action management facilitator 
and peer specialist shout out to Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network because without them and without NAMI and without the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse, which also holds another one of my credentials, the Certified Peer Specialist for Addictive Disease, yeah. those organizations taught me a different way to facilitate dialogues. They taught me a different way to talk. They gave me tools. They gave me tools for communication and tools for living. They also gave me access to a recovery community, a professional recovery community of people that are doing tremendous things across the nation. And that's my tribe. And, and you know, like you were saying, Kenya, I'm talking about people that we can call mm -hmm. that can propel us to our professional heights. And, you know, I was in a, a process earlier today and I was listening to a guy and he said, I just don't know how I can convert my history, which the perception is negative, how I can convert my history to anything that I can carry or anything of value. But I wish that it would help someone someday. And, and when I heard him say that, my answer was, Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club because it will. There's a place and you have found it. The place is here where we are. Just being able to use our lived experience and make sense out of all those things is incredible. So Kenya, let me ask you another question. You know, we kind of talked about acceptance and we kind of talked about some of the things we do to keep us well. And, you know, successes, hopes, and dreams, you know, I, people, people might miss it when I say I'm living the dream. Um, like I said, can you, I remember when you came and trained me on some things and I, I remember I was managing designing programs at the time and I had all my people come and you traveled from where you were to where, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you came and trained us and they were so amazed, you know, they were like, wow, you know, and, and what is it like now that you're working with national, you know, just from on that level, what, what does that all mean when you look back at it, look across the, at the steps that you've taken? What does all that mean to you? What does it do to you on the inside? For me, it's, it's different from what probably you're going to want to hear. But for no, me, it taught me, the me truth. It, it, no, this is the truth. I've learned something my grandmother taught me some years ago. She used to say to me, and she's still living, she's about to be 95. And she said to me, you never know who's watching you. You never know who's watching you. So do what you're supposed to do, in so many words, with your best attitude and foot walking forward. So with that being said, me connecting with NAMI, even at his onset, like I said, with the first point of connection, that was an act of faith, picking up the phone and not thinking somebody's going to pick up on the other end. And they're like, oh, by the way, we're having a support group meeting tonight. We'll come get you. And this was the vice president at the time. From there, all the other doorways opened up, but it wasn't so much as, Kenya, are you capable? It was like, do you trust me? That was the lesson the whole time. Do you trust me? I trust you, but do you trust me? So then when I moved, after I connected with the vice president, it was like over a couple of years, well, it wasn't even a couple of years, probably two years. I finished most of all the peer training. I did everything backwards. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then I was like, uh-oh, I'm scared because I haven't really connected with the groups. Um, but then I went through mentorship. 
from there, I was connected with other other parts of NAMI and other parts of Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network. What I'm saying is somebody noticed me each time because I operated in my truth and I operated with transparency, but deeper than that, I operated with integrity. And that was the thing that was noticed. That was the thing that was noticed across the board. With NAMI Georgia, somebody saw me and it was like, have you thought about Kenya? Then I became program program um, coordinator. As I was applying for to be a national trainer, someone noticed me and it was like, have you thought about her as a manager? So I always knew to show up with my best self. And if I couldn't show up with my best self, it was like, don't even have to. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And so I am so grateful for your best self because you always gave me your best. And guess what? I ended up here too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you were my go-to. You know, I think a lot of systems and a lot of people, you know, like they say, money, property, and prestige will divert us from our primary purposes and probably the primary pathway as well. A lot of people think that you get there from the top, but guess what? You get there from the bottom, you know? And so I know that when I needed to make those systems move, I had access to the top, but I would call my people, you know, and say, hey, Kenya, man, let me ask you a question. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And you always answered and you were always there. And those are experiences that I cherish. We are proud partners of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Rockdale Newton Chapter. NAMI Georgia is an organization of family, friends, and individuals whose lives have been affected by mental challenges. Together, we advocate for better lives for those individuals who have a mental challenge, and we offer support, education, and advocacy as we do so. Please visit the NAMI Georgia website at www.namigeorgia.org. And if you are local to the Rockdale Newton area, we would love to have you join the family. For more information, you can visit www.namirockdalenewton.com or follow their Facebook page at NAMI Rockdale Newton. So with that being said, so also, and we evolve and we evolve. And I think it's a poor rat that only has one hole. There's somebody told me that way back in the day. And, and so we have multiple pathways that we reach and achieve and approach our destiny. You know, tell us about some of these incredible, exciting things. Yay! That <laughs> you are doing other than just being part of NAMI National. Sure. Um, behind me is, I don't know if it's showing up right, but behind me is very symbolic. You'll see a lady in three spaces. That's me. And what I was going to say is that the blanket is symbolic because it captures the essence of not only my first book ever, that's one of my key things, wordplay. Um, and I just released it less than two weeks ago. And it's my recovery testament and my spiritual journey um, through recovery during the winter season in my life, written in a poetic essay form in real time. The other thing that's in, that has been a beautiful um, journey for me, and it's a testament of my love to my belated husband who passed last year on Valentine's Day, is to open my own life coaching, Christian life coaching practice, 
the other thing that's happened as a result also, and that's a labor of love, not only to my husband, but also to my father who passed October the 4th last year. Neither was COVID related, but when I move, when, as I move, it keeps me my momentum because I know it's deeper than me that I'm breathing and I'm moving. And also for my baby girl, because I cannot say, I didn't, I, I really did not know how much she's been watching me. And she's like, mommy, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And for me to hear those words, it means a lot because sometimes I question things in my head. But it just taught me, she's like, she looks up to me and I'd rather her look up to me than me looking up to somebody outside of me. So I'm grateful she still does look up to me and she honors and respects me dearly. The other thing I was going to say is that soon after my husband passed, something symbolic happened. My husband was um, buried at my home church. Those services were held at my home church. Um, soon after the funeral, it wasn't even like a month later, I was invited to be on a ministerial staff at my home church. So that spoke volumes. Um, I took time to process and pray about it. It's not a lot of, it's not tedious in a sense because they, they already was like, we only want you here for the worship experience as well as to occasionally minister. We respect your time. We respect what you already got on your plate, but we just would love your presence again at the church. So uh, for me, life has been about balance, but embracing my vocational call and my ministerial call, everything I do has to deal with recovery because I cannot give my best self if I'm not operating in my own truth. The other things that have happened, I would have to say the biggest thing or the biggest awakening for me is resiliency. Because after my husband and my um, father passed, it hit me one day. I was like, wait a minute, I'm a single mom. Oh, I'm a widow. It, it's like it went through me, but it wasn't registering. But when I would see my daughter and then she would look at me and her communicating with me in all transparency, it helped me to realize I do have strength, but my strength comes from a higher source called God. And he's been keeping us, both of us, through this whole process. So everything I do, like I said, without being overly redundant, has been an act of love and a labor of love. Wow, wow, that is so powerful, man. And, you know, it's like, man, our struggles make us stronger, but, you know, I still admire just, just, I can't fathom, you know, and just what it's like to go through that. Uh, but I just admire your walk because you're here. You know what I mean? You're here. And, and that's why I always ask the people I work with, because I always call them and I ask them, I said, are you tough? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I don't know. They yeah. think I'm, you know, they think I'm special. <laughs> but, you know, I've been through some things. And if you aren't tough, you won't make it. And if you don't have a higher power, but you better get one, man. Because guess what, man? And I hope you get the right one because I finally found the right one. And boy, I realized I had it the whole time, you know? So I, I just wanted to thank you for sharing those things. And I wanted to ask you, and I don't know, you know, I'm not you authors. Right. I don't know how you guys do it, but can you read us an excerpt from your book? Do you have a, a yes. passage? Or, I yes, have, I have a, well, yeah. Oh, wow. Landing right on one. All right. This one is called An Awakening Moment. It is in my awakening that I recognize my disconnection. It is through my struggles that I know my God. It is by his stripes that I have been healed. It is in my thoughts that I delay my blessings. It is that gate promise that I seek his promise that I seek my heartbeat. My first love departed if I choose not my call. 
This is my story. This is my song. I praise my savior because he is the one. Now I must write for deliverance is here. This was never about me. Instead, the change in the atmosphere. God is good all the time. But how I choose to serve him will determine my destiny of choice and redeem time. Wow. In a awakening moment. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen out there on Radio Land, this is Bill and Tanisha, and we're here with Kenya Phillips. We just got an excerpt from her book, and the name of your book is what, Kenya? It is Wordplay Series 1, Emotional Spasms by Kenya Phillips. Wow. So we're here with Kenya Phillips, longtime partner of ours, friend and ally and partner in recovery, and, and we're just so incredibly Please, thrilled, inspired, all of those things don't even quite sum up the way we feel right now. You know, I work with Tanisha. She's artistic. She's a creative. And so there's no limit to what's next, whether it's words, whether it's sight, whether it's sound. So you guys just letting that flow is such an incredible experience for us little people. You know, for me, mine is words in in. They come from that very same place. They come from a place that rejoices, comes from a place that, wow, just got a lot of stuff, a lot of bells and whistles, a lot of stuff built in, baked in. I want to thank you so much for sharing that. And I want to just shout out to your to your business. So how do people connect with you? How do they get the book? How do they connect with your with your recovery mentoring thing? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, since we were just talking about the book, with regards to the book, they can um, purchase it from Zulon Press, or they can purchase off of Amazon or Barnes and Noble's website. And again, it's entitled Wordplay Series One Winter Emotional Spasms um, by Kenya Phillips. So you can Google it and it'll populate also. Um, okay. as, it as it relates to the business, it's a Christian life coaching practice. So it's called Recovery World LLC. The website is www.recoveryworldllc.com. And what I focus on is I focus on four main areas. One is anger management. Another is grief coaching. Another is mental health coaching. And then the last area is, I want to make sure I say it correctly because I just like, um, but the last area is basically just peer mentoring. Because okay. it's like, I think it's important that all those areas are very much so targeted because a lot of times as peers, I come from my world first. I feel like a lot of times we get confused with grief. Grief is not just someone passing. Grief is a transition or anything that occurs that regards some aspect of loss. Uh, um, as it relates to the anger piece, a lot of us, especially during the pandemic, has it's been a height in anger as far as people just being ticked off just because it's like, what's going on up in here? Or things that they didn't do, unresolved anger from past experiences of trauma. And then when you think about another area that I focus in on is happiness coaching. Sometimes we're trying to seek out that positive place and get that harmony back in our lives, whatever that looks like for us. Um, and then lastly, mental health coaching or peer coaching. A lot of times as peers, sometimes we forget where we have been. And sometimes we know where we want to go, but we just need somebody to walk alongside us beyond um, day programs, beyond the treatment facilities, beyond the hospitals. It's like after you leave those places, nine to five or whatever the case may be, it's like, who's walking with you? Who's walking with me? So those are the kinds of services I offer. And again, the website is recoveryworldllc.com. So is there a, a referral on the website? They go on the website yes. and they can register or uh -huh. whatever? Okay. 100%. 
And what are the fees scale? How does that work? You take insurances or you, how, what, how does at that current work? It's fee for service, but it's, it's no insurance panels at current. Um, mm -hmm. It's strictly fee for service. And I just work case by case. I do do group coaching via Zoom and I do also offer in person. Okay. okay. The group coach, it's a difference in probably like 35% cost if persons do group. And I always try to see where a person is in regards to where their comfort zone is. Confidentiality is a must. Okay. And so, um, wow, I want to thank you so much for being ambitious. Uh, I want to thank you so much for doing those things. Right now, we are going to pause the show just for you. Grab something to jot down this information. Go ahead. What are you waiting on? Grab a pen or get your phone ready. We have a couple of warm lines that may be helpful to get you through that challenging time. The Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities Services are accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week via the Georgia Crisis and Access Line, also known as GCAL, at one 800 715 4 225. That's 1-800-715-4225. Also, the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse provides support through the CARES Warm Line. That number is 1-844-326-5400. I repeat, 1-844-326-5400. 5400. Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network has a 24-hour peer-to-peer warm line to provide peer support to Georgia residents by calling 1-888-945-1414. Again, that's 1-888-945-1414. So there you are. Our hope is that you don't need them, but if you do, you won't hesitate to reach out and get the support you need. And so what's coming down the pipe, Kenya? What, what's next? What's next? What's next is just to keep the momentum, make sure it's healthy balance, work and play time. And also um, to begin, one of the things I'm working on at Current is I'm going to be going into the studio in the next couple of weeks to actually do some recordings of the book, uh, some live, a live CD type setup and okay. everything, because I love spoken words. So I'm getting back grinding with that aspect because that's something that I've always loved and I've been doing since I was a youngster. Okay. So, so do yeah. you have some spoken word stuff that you can hit us with? Oh, yeah. 100%. Y'all ready? We're ready. All right, let's go. This one is entitled Black is Black. This is my signature piece. Black is black. Black is ecstasy. Black is my soul. Black surrounds me. Black unfolds. Lost I was once like a bird in a fleet. Loose amongst others longing to be free. A time has come. A new day is here. All triumphs have passed. So now it is. Colors are colors. Closed eyes cannot see. Clear the darkened clouds, cool winds are soon to come. Keep in mind, kindness as a part, kept deep within the one who knows their own heart. Black is black. Black is black. Black is black was. Black is still connected and part of mine. 
episode. Ladies and gentlemen out there, Radio Land, you just heard Kenyon Phillips' spoken word. This is Bill and Tanisha with the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. We just want to once again shout out to Commissioner Doreen Williams. Shout out to Judge Nancy Bills, Judge Mumford, Judge Cuthbert, Judge Atten over there. Um, we just want to shout out to them. We're getting ready to go to the Accountability Court Judges Conference coming up in September. So we want to shout out to them for just opening up the doors and, and just and with warmth and with compassion and with understanding and just inviting us in to be part of the facilitation of the uh, CACJ conference this year. That is a powerful event, Nudge from a Judge Part Two. That's really incredible. Also, we I would be remiss if I didn't shout out to our accountability court coordinators. That would be Dana White, Sean, and Mary Lou. I just want to thank them. I know that we just got through attending a community event carnival in the parking lot of the courthouse. Man, there were funnel cakes. There was all the food you could eat. There was live entertainment. There was a dunking booth. They had judges in the dunking booth and people were throwing at them so hard. They were knocking the windows out of the buildings across the street. <laughs> they was trying to get it, boy. Yes, sir. And, and so it, it worked out so well. Dana White is getting ready to do it again. We're getting ready to have another event coming up on September the 18th, which is going to be a motorcycle rally and carnival in the parking lot of the courthouse, Ride for Recovery. And Tanisha's going to tell everybody how they can connect with that. And also we're going to have on the 24th of September at Costly Mill, we're going to have the Year of the Peer Awards, which is like the Oscars for recovery and give up. We're going to have live performances. We're going to have, who knows? We might even be able to get Kenya Phillips to come and do some spoken word. You know, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a good time and we're going to recover together. You know, I, you know, as we all patronize the opposite of addiction and depression is connection. It's a very, very important thing to be embraced by a community of like-minded people with allies and with friends and with family because this is not an isolated disease. This disease does not discriminate. None of them do. Anybody can die from it. And so that's the whole, you know, for Kenya and for Tanisha and for myself, you know, I think, and let me just, like Kenya said, let me use an I statement, but I'm pretty clear that they're with me. We have dedicated our life to this process. We have dedicated our life to a process that we believe partners with God for the facilitation of miracles in people's lives. I know people say, oh, we shouldn't reward people for doing what they're supposed to do. Man, if, if people live <laughs> from a near fatal condition, man, it's something that we all know is progressive and fatal, and we're part of the facilitation of life, hope, and all that, man, count me in. And I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm just all in. I am so grateful. Kenya, I uh, want to ask you another question. For all the people out there that are going to hear this recording, I want to ask you, um, what do you do to stay strong? What do you do? What is your, what are some of the tools that you use to maintain and sustain, you know, health? For me, it's keeping God first. When I'm out of order with that, that's when everything falls chaotically apart. 
another thing that I do outside of that, which is my top priority, is I know how to pause. That's been my word for like the last two years almost, just simply pausing. Everything is not an urgency. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, that's one of the things, you're absolutely right, Ken, you're dead on. One of the things I think that make us sick is believing that we have to do some things striving man i see people fighting to do some things that they believe they have to do that you don't <laughs> you really don't i really don't have to have a new car because my old car works you know what i'm saying i don't have to have the latest whatever that is i don't have to have that but i know that there's a whole school of thought that people believe that they do and, and you know i was listening to a thing by denzel and he said, you know what? You never see a U-Haul following a hearse because okay. guess what? You can't take that stuff with you, man. Those all. things that are most valuable are, you know, like the time that we spend with our children. Yes. Just simple time reading a book with our children. Those are things that are priceless. You know, taking a walk, you were talking about the duck pond. My little girl who's four, and, and, you know, we go to the duck pond and, and she is brutal. <laughs> she doesn't quite have the whole empathy for duck thing down quite fat yet. But she is showing up motivated. Because, you know, her and I went to the duck pond and we always get in trouble when we go to the duck pond. She told me, she said, Daddy, catch one for me. You know, and I said, baby... <laughs> Daddy can't catch her, man. She said, yes, you can. You know what I'm saying? Man, they believe in us, man. That's we true. have to keep ourselves well. They believe in us. You know, I told her, baby, daddy can't fly. No more. Wow. <laughs> daddy used to be under some misconceptions. No longer does daddy believe that he can fly. So, you know, I, I just uh, I want to thank you for sharing that. And so, Kenya, I want to ask you another question for all those people out there in Radio Land, you know, that are, are trying to find resources. And I know that we talked about those warm lines. I know NAMI's got a warm line. Uh, the CARES have a warm line. I believe Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network has warm lines. And people can go online and find out those numbers uh, or they can go on uh, the, uh, on, Tanisha's going to give you information about how to find those things on our websites and our social media pages. But it's important that this thing, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Right. And, 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 you know, just, you know, don't get me wrong, prayer does work, but without action. There we go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Faith without works is dead, you know, and, and one of the things I say all the time, don't just pray for me. You know what I'm saying? You know okay. what I'm saying? Put your hands on me. And, and I know that a lot of people get that twisted when they say put your hands on somebody. But yeah, I need I needed somebody to put their hands on me and, and guide me in, in a way because I wasn't going to end up there by myself. And it just took a really long time. I'm grateful that God is author time and we're not. Um, I'm grateful for the grace and the mercy which I believe is the only reason why I'm here today. I know it's not because I'm smart. Everybody's pretty clear on that part. But Kenya, what message do you have for people out there who have loved ones or who are experiencing challenges? What message do you have for those people? 
My message is out of my own truth to be encouraged and to be open to those who come and walk by them. One of the things that I have, it's a particular quote that I have, which is also on my wall. And I'm going to turn because it's literally on my wall. You probably can't see it. It says, the question you do not ask is the one that you are enslaved to. But right after that, the key part of it says, the fishermen who are sent to you, who you ignore are the gifts that you deny. So many times, many of us have people that show up in our lives, but we're so busy judging how they show up or the who shows up, we can miss it. Perfect example, Bill, if I had met you 10 years ago, or you even met me, would we have had judgment glasses on or would we have been open to the process? Would you have walked with me? Would I have walked with you? So in short, if we be open to who shows up in our lives, not saying we got to be wide open, but everybody's not going to be dressed prim, proper or whatever. Sometimes people may come in a unique format or formation and we just got to be ready to walk forward, knowing that we have somebody who we can entrust to walk with us. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, one of the big challenges that a lot of people have had with some of the pathways is that human experience language is real. Yes, <laughs> you know, that's real. Yeah, yeah. And, and because for me, if you didn't use human experience language, I, you had no validity to me. And you could use as many pronouns and adjectives and all that. Where I come from, they don't have a lot of adjectives and pronouns and all that kind of stuff. They got some language, though. You understand? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just get it like you live, man. I um, That's it. Yeah, you know, and, and so, Kenya, another thing I would like to ask you, for all the people out there who are providing services or or are attempting to climb those the this occupational ladders, what message do you have for them? I come straight biblical on that. Write the vision, make it plain. But right after that, I will also say, but after you write the vision and after you make it plain, meaning you have that business plan, you have that concept first, you have that plan, Put the foot to action. Don't don't be one of those people like I used to be was like, dang, I had that idea 10 years ago. Why is this other person doing it? God can use whoever he wants. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, are you, it's, am I and you, are we operating in the season that we're supposed to be birthing our vision in? So we just got to walk it out and trust that we don't have to have a million dollars to do it. That's right. Sometimes collaboration is real. That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, Tanisha and I were talking about this earlier, you know, uh, I believe T.D. Jakes was talking about it as well. Attach yourself to other people that have the vision, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, come on, man, there's more than one version of Amazing Grace, you know what I mean? Yes. And, 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 the, the, you know, just, it doesn't matter, man. Don't get caught up in the minutia. Don't sweat the small stuff. That's real. This is, this is life with God, man. He's the author of life. Not just mine, he's the author of life. That's it. Anyway, with that being said, you know, Kenya, as always, it's a privilege. It's, you know, it's it's awesome. So Tanisha, can you tell all the people out there at Radio Land how they can get this message? Yes, absolutely. We invite all of you all as always, to stay connected with us. You can stay connected with us on all of our social media pages. We're on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. All of those pages we're listed under Grit and Grace RCO. You can also visit our website, which is rockdalesteppingup.com. 
If you scroll down all the way to the bottom of that page, you will see a Stay Connected tab. On that Stay Connected page, that will give you access to our monthly newsletter. Comes out every month where you get a message from Commissioner Doreen Williams, our fearless leader. That's called the Commissioner's Corner. She'll kind of give you an overview of what we're doing in, in the Rockdale community with recovery and stepping up. And also on that newsletter, we have a person that we choose in recovery as our champion of recovery for the month. And you see a video of them telling their story, their recovery story. And then there are several resources on there. You heard uh, Mr. Bill say earlier about the warm lines. All of the warm lines are on there. We have other community partners and resources there on that newsletter as well. Also, if you wanna keep hearing these messages, the ones like you're hearing right now, you can come back on every Wednesday at 12 noon or Thursday at 1 p.m. on His Hop Network, Cat 10 ENT. And if you can't get it at that time, you can get it at your own convenience on our podcast. We're on seven different platforms. We're on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and iTunes. So y'all keep coming back. Wow, man. I told you I surround myself by gifted people. Didn't I tell you, Kenya, you can see that? Yes. Uh, man, there was no way I could ever do that, right? But, you know, this is the thing, and I want to thank you, ladies. I want to thank you, Kenya. Thank you, Tanisha. You guys are creatives. You know, I may not be that creative. I get lucky every now and then. <laughs> but the greatest blessing that I've ever had, it's not luck, is to be surrounded by people like you, people that are committed and dedicated and smart and savvy and organized and purposeful and all those things. Uh, you guys are my heroes and, and you guys do incredibly good work. Kenya, I know that, I know there's a thing going on with NAMI doing a book. And so I look forward to getting more information about that. Yes. I, know, I, I think that's a powerful project. I did respond to the email. You know, I just look forward to hearing more about that. Definitely. And um, I also sent the updated list to the contact person okay. and they're looking forward to collaborating with you. Okay. So anyway, like I say, September is recovery month and we got a lot of things going on. We'll look at what the worldview looks like and all of that, because that's something that we all have to take into consideration. Uh, we're getting ready to sign a lease for the RCO, the Recovery Community Organization, to have a location with our recovery stuff for the month. I know we're going to be live streaming everything. So I want to make sure that we give you an invitation so that you can get your face and your voice into this recovery process, whatever way we need to do it. So anyway, with that being said, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come and give us all of that information. I believe it's definitely revelation. And just keep coming back. And don't forget about us little people. Yay! Thank you for tuning in and feeding your recovery with another episode of the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. Remember that you can stay connected with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Grit and Grace RCO, or just keep coming back every Wednesday at 12 noon. Until then, and as always, cherish the chips you hold.